0: And Welcome to The Musical Man, the podcast that shines new light on the Tony Award for Best Musical. Each week we examine the nominees and winners of that esteemed decoration, and this week we'll be discussing nine... we doing? I hope you are well. I welcome you to this, the latest episode of the musical man. Oh, I am here with Patty and Benny and we have some news. We have news. We have follow ups. Let's get into it. I mispronounced Sugar Baby's cast member, Debbie Gournay's surname as Gourmet. Gourmet? No, no, no. It's Gournay, Jonathan Gournay. As I always say, I do try my best. Uh, but mistakes will inevitably be made. If you think that's the only follow-up I have regarding sugar babies, you're wrong. I wanna say this. Walter Kerr most likely associated Mickey Rooney with Santa Claus because the actor had already played Saint Nick in a pair of animated Rankin-Bass specials, those being Santa Claus is Coming to Town in 1970 and The Year Without a Santa Claus in 1974. Rooney also played Santa in Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July Stretching, which aired on television one month after Sugar Babies opened on Broadway. My hope is that Walter Kerr did not die with this question on his lips. I like to think he was near a TV on November 25th, 1979, which is when Christmas in July aired. (laughs) ha! Oh, please. Someone tell me why does Mickey Rooney remind me of Santa Claus? I'm dying. Wicked the movie. All right. This news is old news to all of us, I understand, but we have to talk about it to some extent here in this opening segment. So apparently, Wicked the Movie will be split into two parts. That's right. If you weren't aware of it, we're going to get Wicked the Movie Part 1, followed by Wicked the Movie Part 2. I have a feeling this is all, we can blame Harry Potter, right? We can blame Harry Potter for the whole Part 1, Part 2 thing. Yes, I think that's fair, because the fallout from that decision, the reverberating effect of it, is still being felt to this day. I will point to Wicked Part 1 and Wicked Part 2 as my main exhibit. I I suppose I'm not annoyed, but I am a little flummoxed and bewildered. I do not understand how that story is going to be stretched out over the course of two two-hour films. I mean, it's not like each film is going to be a brisk 80 to 90 minutes, is it? I don't think so. No. So, I will, of course, be seeing this film in whatever form it takes. Split it up into six parts for all I care, but I will be buying a ticket. We will also, I think, have to cover the trailer. Whenever the trailer drops, that will be a bonus episode for our $1 a month patrons. So, just keep that in mind. I'm writing a check. Eventually, I will have to cash it. So, put my feet to the fire. Ah! Woo. <laughs> and finally, in this opening segment of ours, I want to talk about Leah Michelle again. Old news, I know. We all had our fun with this very strange story, but apparently, Leah Michelle, who was she talking to? Entertainment Tonight. I want to say she she told reporters that she showed Jonathan Groff her vagina. And told she told the entire world about it because she is incapable of keeping a single thing to herself. What is wrong with Leah Michelle? This is a question that has been on our minds for years now. It still compels us. You want someone to study your vagina like Hercule Poirot studies a truffle? Only oh, we. Oui, oui. Fine, I don't care. But consider preserving a shred of privacy, a thin fiber of privacy. I know you've given it all away, but for God sake keep a keep a thread of it hold on to something. Jesus, Leah. With all of this having been said, <laughs> it is now time to move on to the Shovex regarding this week's subject, Nine. Show me the Shovex. All right, I'll do it. Nine is the 1982 winner of the Tony Award for Best Musical. It opened on Broadway on May 9th, 1982 at the 46th Street Theater. Barely got through that. And ran for 729 performances. The Book of Nine was written by Arthur Kopit. Kopit replaced Mario Fratti, whose efforts were deemed ah, insubstantial, subpar by director Tommy Toon, and subsequently thrown to the wayside. Ah, arrivederci, Mario. The music and lyrics of Nine were written by none other than Mori Yestin. Hello, Mori! It is based, the show, I should say, is based on the 1963 Federico Fellini film Eight and a Half, which was written by Fellini, Tullio Pinelli, Ennio Flaiano, and Brunello Rondi. I am doing my best. It's very difficult. Yestin became a great fan of of the film Eight and a Half as a teenager, and was developing a musical version as early as 1973. According to Yeston, the addition of music and lyrics to Eight and a Half is what bumps the narrative up to a nine. The musical's title is also a reference to the age of its lead character, or a version of the lead character at one point in his life, I should say. Stay tuned, I will explain further. If you trust IMDb trivia, and I would not blame you if you don't, in The original title was necessary because Federico Fellini would only approve of the adaptation if his name and that of the film were never invoked. You want to turn my movie into a musical? Fine. Do not say my name and do not use the title. All right, fine. Federico, fine. There are many reasons as to why the show is called Nine, as we have come to find, All right, Several reasons. The director of Nine was Tommy Toon. We already said that, but it must be said again. The musical director was Wally Harper. Orchestrations by Jonathan Tunick. Choreographer, and I want you to put a pin in this name, Tommy Walsh. Did you put a pin in the name? Pin it! Scenic design, Lawrence Miller. Lighting design, Marsha Madeira. Sound design, Jack Mann. Costume design, William Ivy Long. Hello again, William. And the original Broadway cast was as follows. We have Raul Julia, who was later replaced by our old friend and game show host, Bert Convy. Bert, hello again. We have Karen Akers, Shelley Birch, Stephanie Colstrios. Oh, I'm gonna do that again. Take two. Stephanie Colstrios. Oh no. Oh, this is a murder is what this is. I apologize, Stephanie. Let's move on. Kate Dazina, Tanya Erg, Lillian Montevecchi Did my voice break? Lillian Montevenci, Anita Morris, Kathy Moss, Camille, Saviola, Broadway debut for Camille, congratulations. Evans Allen, Jeannie Bowers, Broadway debut, congratulations. Jeannie, Kim Criswell, Colleen Dodson, Broadway debut for Colleen, congratulations to you. Lulu Downs, Louise Etikin, Cameron Johan, Laura Kenyon, Linda Kearns, Nancy McCall, Cynthia Merrill, Rita Wren, Dee Ettero, Jadrian Steele, Patrick Wilcox, and Elena Warren Zachary. Hey, I have to say it one more time. Time. I am so sorry for any mispronunciations. Hey, what can you do? As I said before, mistakes. Ah, mistakes are a part of life. We try to own up to them when we can. Let's talk about Tony Knott's. Now, the original Broadway production of Nine won the following Tony Awards. Best Musical, of course, but also Best Original Score, Maury Esten. Best Featured Actress in a Musical, Lillian Montevecchi Best Costume Design, William Ivy Long. And Best Director of a Musical, Tommy Toon. The production was also nominated for Best Book of a Musical, Arthur Carl. Hope Best Actor in a Musical, Raul Julia. Best Featured Actress in a Musical, Karen Ackers; Best Featured Actress in a Musical, Anita Morris. Best Scenic Design, Lawrence Miller. Best Lighting Design, Marsha Medina. And Best Choreography, Tommy Toon. Now, wait a minute. Why did that nomination go to Tommy Toon? This is a strange nomination to me, considering Tommy Walsh, we put a pin in that name, Tommy is officially credited in the playbill as the choreographer. So what is going on? What happened? Tommy, why were you not nominated? Tommy Pickles. So, in review, to review, 12 nominations in total, five awards when all was said and done. Regarding Lillianne Montevecchi's acceptance speech for the award for Best Featured Actress in a Musical, that award, yes. I watched that clip, and she is so funny. She is so charming. The show opened on Mother's Day in America, and Lillianne received her Tony Award on Sunday, June 6th, which was Mother's Day in her home country of France. Lillianne does not thank her mother explicitly, which is very strange during the speech, but she does reference her mother, who is presumably seemingly in the audience, and then she ends the speech with, I'm so thrilled, uh, Uh, Bye! (laughs) And then she runs. She just runs away. It's so funny. All right, it is now time to talk about the plot of Nine, but you will not be hearing that plot from me. No, no, no. I'm not going to impart the summary this time around. We have brought in a very special guest. Please introduce yourself now, special guest. Ciao, buon palmaragio, I am Guido Contini, the world's greatest film director, and it is only fitting that I, Guido Contini, the world's greatest film director, tell you the story of Nine as it was meant to be told, in my own words. For Nine is about me, Guido Contini, the world's greatest film director ah but perhaps I am being self-centered. Nine is also about the love of my life, my wife, the beautiful, the incomparable Luisa Del Forno. As the story of Nine begins, Luisa and I find ourselves in one of life's many valleys, a, uh, a carver of stones, if you will, a foso! no, a sinkhole of romantic torpidity. Luisa, she says to me, Guido, we must get away. We must escape the confines of show business and save our marriage. And so I say to her, ah, see, si, see, si, I will do this. And we fly to a spa just outside of Venice. Suddenly, sabotaggio! The paparazzi, these carrion beasts, they descend upon us. Ha ha! The moment we arrive! Hey, Guido, how is your marriage? Ha huh? ha! Guido, what is this? We hear about a new film. Ha huh? ha! Tell us about your new film, Guido, ha! Huh? Everyone wants to know about my new film. What is the movie about? Do you have a script? What is the movie about? Do you have a script? What is the movie about? What am I to say to this? I'm Guido Contini, the world's greatest film director. I directed Figaro Mastriana in The Alligator Has No Teeth. I directed Anita Porcini in A Winter for the Children We Never Wanted to Have. I am Guido Contini, and so I cast their questions aside, is what I do, as if they were old shoes. Vavangulo. Louisa is upset with me. She was not aware of my new film, ah, but what can I do? My reputation is on the line, and so I simply must make a new film. I have to. I said to Louisa, do not worry. Everything will be va bene. I will save my film and our marriage. You will see. They will all see. Suddenly, sabotage you. My mistress, Carla, she calls me on the phone. Ring, ring from a hotel in Venice. Carla is quite sexy. She makes me uh, horny. My penis, it is uh, screaming when I think of Carla, and so it becomes a little difficult to focus on my film or my marriage. My producer, Liliane, she says to me, Guido, Guido, I want you to direct a musical for me. I say to her, see, see, of course, Liliane, whatever you desire, I say this to her so, as to get her talents out of my backside. A musical, dear God. And so, on top of all of this, I have some film critic in my ear, this Stephanie Necropolis or whatever the hell, telling me my films are shit, they are bad, they are poo -poo, saying to me, you are a hack, Guido Contini, Uh, it's not fun, I would not recommend it. In times such as these, when I am feeling empty yet overwhelmed, I often turn inward so I may examine my memories, my passato, and that is precisely what I do in this moment. I think of my mama, ah, mama, I think of myself as a nine-year-old boy, baby. Guido with his loving mama I think of baby Guido and his trip to the beach an encounter with saragina the sex worker who taught baby Guido about life laughter and love ah uh, saragina mama she did not care for saragina the Catholic nuns at my school, they did not care for Seragina. They turned on me, is what they did. They said to me, Bebe Guido, you pavarito, you rodatore, what are you doing? What are you going to do? Chase these women all of your life? And upon reflection, I find this is exactly what I came to do. They were not wrong. I choose to return to the present at this time, having become thoroughly depressed by Bibiguido Guido and his uh, lonely, rotten life. I find myself on another beach, standing next to Claudia Nardi. Claudia is in all of my films. Louisa is my wife, yes, and Carla is my mistress, yes. But Claudia, she is my muse, eh? A font of inspiration, and more importantly, I know she will never abandon me. Suddenly, sabotage you. Claudia tells me she does not want to be in my new film. She does not want to be my muse. She wants me to love her for what she is, as a bone and blood human being. And this is difficult for me, Guido Cotini, as I do not see women as human beings per se. I say to a Claudia, I am a broken man who will never love you in this way. And it is a sad and sorrowful scene. Ah! but. That Then, an idea begins to form in the mind of Guido Contini, the world's greatest film director. An idea inspired by my conversation with Claudia. Claudia, who is my muse, even when she does not choose to be. Here is the idea. I shall improvise a movie that is all about me and the women I have adored. Hey, a fictional version of me, you understand. Hey, fictional versions of the women I have adored. My character's name shall be Casanova. I say to myself, Guido Contini, this is a fabulous idea. It is not ridiculous and nothing bad will come of this. Lights, camera, action. Suddenly, sabotage. Carla invades the set of my movie to announce she has left her husband and wishes to marry me, Guido Contini. And this is annoying to me I said to her, Carla, Carla, Abastanza, Abastanza, you are killing me. This is murder what you are doing. You should be put in jail for what you are doing to me right now. Please go leave me and never come back. Luisa, my wife, she is angry with me. Our marriage dissolves like a sand castle you try to cradle in your arms. It is a pathetic tragedy, cut, print, etc., I said to myself, Guido, there is no other choice. You have to kill yourself. It's true, you are Guido Contini, the world's greatest film director, the man who directed Diego Mancini and Cassandra Bishop in Mambo's Last Sex Picnic, a film that had audiences weeping in the streets. That movie affected elections is what it did. Everyone knows this. I do not need to say it, but you are also irredeemable, and so a bullet is the only answer for you, Guido. Ah, but just as I am about to pull the trigger, Baby Guido appears to me in a vision, and he says to me, old man Guido, Famare, you must not kill yourself. And so I say to him, well, Baby Guido, perhaps you're right. And so I give him the gun. Happy ninth birthday, Baby Guido, I give to you this gun. And then, what is this? All of the women I have ever known, they are conjured before my eyes. Carla, Claudia, Liliane. each of them says goodbye to me in high, grand fashion. Arrivederci, Guido. We love you, Guido. But there is one person missing in this parade of souls. Louisa, my wife. Because I will never see her again. Because I do not deserve to see her again. Even in my mind's eye. Ah, look, I did not say Nine was a happy musical. I am Guido Contini, the world's greatest film director. I directed Roman Holiday 2. She's at it again. My story is not meant to be consumed along with a a barrel of popped corn and a fistful of uh, American food. Frank Fartas, Uh, Vavanculo, now where is my check? I was told there would be a check. No check? Ah, sabotage Thank you very much, Guido. Hello, goodbye, arrivederci. Now, for the purposes of this week's episode, I did not re-watch the 1963 motion picture, Eight and a Half. Mr. Fellini, I do apologize. I have seen the film. I have, but I did not have the time to re-watch it for the purposes of this episode. Federico, stop haunting me in my dreams. Stop screaming at me in my head while I'm trying to sleep. I did listen to the 1982 original Broadway cast album of Nine... I followed that up with the 1982 Tony Awards performance of Be Italian, which is introduced by Tony Randall. Tony Randall is sitting in a chair for some reason. I don't know what's going on there. He has a scrapbook of some sort with review clippings, actual newspaper clippings that seem to have been taped into the interior of this scrapbook. Very strange setup. I don't know if this was explained earlier in the Tony's broadcast. I don't know. And... And the performance is followed by Milton Burl, who talks about performing as part of the cast for the Ziegfeld Follies of 1943 in the very same venue where the Tonys are being presented. It's very funny. It's very charming. And he follows that with the presentation of the Best Director of a Musical Award, which goes to Tommy Toon. Tommy Toon, very gay, love it. What did I do next? I listened to the 2003 Broadway Revival cast album of Nine, which features Antonio Bendados as Guido, Laura Binal, as Claudia, Jane Krakowski as Carla, Mary Stuart Masterson as Luisa, Cheda Rivera, hello, as Lillian, Sandra Santiago as Stephanie, and Mira Lucretia Taylor as Saragina, of course. I followed that with the 2003 Tony Awards performance of Guido's Song. I found Banderas to be very sexy in this performance, despite his strange bowl haircut. Not really sure what's going on with the haircut. And then finally I watched the 2009 motion picture adaptation, which was directed by Rob Marshall. This is definitely, if you are a fan of the Blank Check podcast, I'm going to speak in Blank Check vernacular for just a moment. This is definitely Rob's Blank Check post-Chicago, right? Chicago is most certainly the guarantor. He's been riding on the success of that movie for 20 years now, but I feel that no one was going to make a nine movie if Chicago was not so much of a success, right? Yes, of course, yes. Okay, I'm going to stop talking in Blank Check vernacular so I can provide a rundown of the film's cast. We have Daniel Day-Lewis as Guido, Nicole Kidman as Claudia, Penelope Cruz as Carla, Marion Cotillard as Luisa, Judy Dench as Lily. Not Lillianne, all right? The character has been renamed. We are now supposed to think of this character as Lily. Lillianne is now Lily. Do you got that? Do you get it? And Lily is not a producer. She is not Guido's producer. She is the costume designer. Why? Why was that decision made? The producer is now a man, and we just decided, yeah, the producer should really be a man because it's 1960s Italy, and no one else would be a producer except a man. I don't know what's going on there. back to the cast. We have Kate Hudson as Stephanie, Fergie as Saragina, very good in the role, I should say, and finally, Sophia Loren as Mama, Mama. And here's the thing about the 1987 original Australian cast album, which stars John Dietrich as Guido, and the 1992 London concert cast album, which stars Jonathan Price, blah, as Guido. Here's the thing about those albums. They are not available digitally. You cannot stream them via Spotify. You cannot buy them as MP3s via Amazon. And so, I did not listen to them. If you have listened to them, if you have these recordings at your disposal, please feel free to send them along. I will add them to my collection happily. Yes, even the Jonathan Price recording. Ah, blah, the idea of him. (laughs) The eyes do all of the acting. Shut up, Jonathan. Patty, Benny, I think it is now time to begin our deconstruction of the nine score. Shall we begin with Guido's song? Yeah, let's do it.
1: I would like to be here. I would like to be there. I would like to be everywhere at once. I know that's a contradiction in terms and it's a problem. Especially when my body's clearing 40 as my mind is nearing 10. I can hardly stay up. And I can't get to sleep And I don't want to wake tomorrow morning At the bottom of some heap But why take it so Seriously After all there's nothing At stake here, only me I want to be young And I want to be old I would like to be wise before my time And yet be foolish and brash and bold I would like the universe to get down On its knees and say, Guido Whatever you please it's okay And if it's impossible, we'll arrange that's all that I want. I am lusting for more. Should I settle for less? I ask you, what's a good thing for if not for taking it to excess? One limitation. I Ideally regret. There's only one of me I bear. I would like to have another me to travel along with myself. I would even like to be able to sing a duet with myself. I would like to be here, sing along with myself in a song, to be there, I'm walking down the lane now, everywhere, 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 that's a contradiction in terms, I want to be here with counter, Hair. melody in the hair. top of the morning to you, guida, 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 Ni, me, me, I want to be bruised! It is sad. I would like to be Christ, Mohammed, Buddha, but not have to believe in God. And you know I mean it with all of my heart. It's the end if something important doesn't start. I want to be young, but I have to be old. What I want is a tale of sound and fury that some idiot went and told. I would like the universe to get down on its knees and say, Guido, whatever you please, it's okay. Even if it's ridiculous, we'll arrest. That's that I want. <laughs>
0: The and- everyone, everyone in the entire world knows I am allergic to songs with titles that pair a character's name with the word song. We've listed several examples of this phenomenon in the past, Wince song being the most recent example, but the title of a song does not necessarily speak to the quality of that song, right? Yes? And the quality of Guido's song is basically unimpeachable. The number is effervescent and effortlessly amusing, especially Especially when Raul Julia is standing at the helm. Raul Julia and Antonio Banderas understand that Guido's sense of humor is what endears him to an audience. It's key. Yes, the man is a compulsive liar and a petulant louse, but he is aware of this deficit in character and capable of joking about it. That is part of his charm. Guido is funny and funny is sexy. Julia and Banderas approach Guido's song with all of this in mind, which I cannot say about Daniel DeLu. I do not want to hang out with his grave portrait of Guido, and I sure as hell do not want to fuck him. Banderas was more than a little familiar with the part. They should have chosen Banderas. Huh? Yes? Yes. Yes.
2: Contini, Luisa Contini, number one genius and number one fan, Guido Contini, Luisa Contini, daughter of well-to-do Florentine clan,
3: long ago,
2: twenty years ago, once the name were Guido Contini Luisa del Forno Actress with dreams and a life of her own Passionate, wild and in love in Livorno Singing with Guido all night on the phone
3: Long
2: ago Someone else ago Oh, he needs me so And he'll be the last My husband makes movies To make them he makes himself obsessed He works for weeks on end without a bit of rest No other way can he achieve his level best Some men read books Some shine their shoes Some retire early when they've seen the evening news My husband only rarely My husband makes movies instead My husband makes movies Thank
3: you very much, Mrs. Contini.
0: The two-word phrase long ago, as sung by Karen Ackers in My Husband Makes Movies, is nothing short of a transportation device. It takes me to a liminal space I could explore for an eternity, a quiet and desolate gallery where the walls are lined with humility and grief. Make no mistake, Louisa is in a dissociative state when speaking to the press. That's the context for this song, I should say. She is helping Guido get away from the press by distracting them, by answering their questions. She is strolling along the fibrous edge of the universe and I want to walk right alongside her. Musically and emotionally speaking, the phrase, long ago, is the high point of nine. The sadness I experience when I hear those words is wonderful. This is not a contradiction in terms, by the way. Chris's favorite part of the 2009 film was Marion Cotillard's rendition of My Husband Makes Movies. My husband, Chris, he has got Great taste is what he's got. He's got great taste. What is this voice I am doing? I don't
4: know. Guido. Pronto. Signor Contini. Telephone. Go ahead. Guido. I was lazing around my bedroom when an idea occurred to me I thought you might be
0: Krakowski performing a call from the Vatican on Broadway is one of Those unavoidable YouTube clips that every theater nerd has consumed, and for good reason. Watching Krakowski descend from the rafters on a wave of silk is more effective than almost any million-dollar stage effect, and I love the pride she takes in Carla's unencumbered sexuality. Carla is here, and she is horny, baby, yeah. This woman knows exactly what she brings to the potluck, the power and value of her body and voice. Who could resist Carla? Who among us, huh? You? You? No, never!
5: The cinema today is in a crisis.
0: Directors
5: are so existentialist. The movies are not worth their entrance prices. If no one sings a love song when he's kissed, continue, I want a musical. Love cannot be love without listening. A string, a clarinet, a saxophone. Take a lesson from this old Parisian and the finest entertainment she has known. Ah, Folly Bergère. What a showing of color costume and dancing. Not a moment in life could be more entrancing Than an evening you spend a Folie bergere Foley-Bergère Not a soul in the world could be in despair When he is glancing At the fabulous stage of Folie bergere
0: while listening to Cheetah Rivera perform Follet Berger on the 2003 recording, it struck me how Eartha Kitt would have made for an excellent Lillian. Forty seconds later, I had confirmed Miss Kitt was a replacement in that role on Broadway in October 2003. I tell you people, my instincts are so sharp. I am so smart. I am so smart. <laughs> we also replaced Antonio Banderas with... With who who do, do you know do you know who replaced Antonio Banderas on Broadway in Nine Okay, I'm going to tell you, if you don't know, it's going to be a slap to the face. It was John Stamos, which is the mightiest step down. I can't think of a <laughs> weaker substitute. I am not paying Broadway prices for John Stamos. That is a that is a bum pitch. Would it be possible to make Guido Greek? I'm really into my Greek heritage. Yeah, we know, Stamos. We know.
6: You close your eyes. And if you want to make a woman happy, you rely on what you were born with because it is in your blood. Be Italian. Be Italian. Take a chance and try to steal a fiery kiss. Be Italian. You rapscallion When you hold me Don't just hold me But hold This (laughs) Please Be gentle Sentimental Go ahead And try to give My cheek a pat But be daring and uncaring when you pinch me, try to pinch me when there's...
0: cards on the table, the 1982 Tony Awards performance of Be Italian made me uncomfortable. The context of the scene is not escaping me. It does not escape me, it does not. Guido's childhood encounter with Zerugina is a flashpoint for our main character. It has a tremendous effect on how he views and engages with women. And as an adult, Guido's memories from that day are understandably complicated, steeped as they are in giddy eroticism and terrible shame, but nine-year-old Guido has no idea of what is to come. The boy is having the time of his life on that wind-swept beach, and that involves a lot of crawling around on all fours in knee pads and short pants. And that is off-putting to me. There are several boys in this number crawling around like puppy dogs and their short pants are way too short. Way too short. I accept life is neither neat nor tidy, and art, by extension, is under no obligation to be neat or tidy, but I do believe it's possible, it is possible, to convey the sexual awakening of a young boy without asking him to wear short pants or strike his thighs with a tambourine. The knee pads, the crawling, the short pants, the tambourines, the bottom spanking, the smacking of the bottoms, It's it's all a little much, it's a bit much, I've made my case. The Italian is the best sequence from Rob Marshall's film by a country mile, and not only because it draws a much-needed dividing line between the kids and the adults. Dion Beebe's cinematography, Colleen Atwood's costumes, John DeLuca and Rob Marshall's choreography, and the non-existent borders of that set—I love that set—ah, talk about an explosive combination of elements, it all comes together so well. The sand, who doesn't love the sand from that sequence? The sand, it's flying everywhere. During those few fleeting minutes, I am completely transfixed by Nine, the motion picture. It's true.
1: I remember Saint Sebastian with a memory most unkind. I can hear the bells I heard when I went there. Inside the church, inside my mind the bells of saint sebastian only ring once in your ears but if you're very young when you hear them their sound can last a hundred years but the music of the ringing was the music And we were singing It's day at Lord's, it's, it's night at vespers, From every tower The hour would be told For those of us at St. Sebastian No longer young And not yet old
0: Act 1 finale, The Bells of St. Sebastian was cut for the purposes of the 2009 film, and I'm not saying that was a colossal error in judgment, but I definitely missed the number. Then again, Daniel Day-Lewis is not much of a singer, and I question his ability to navigate, but the music of the ringing was the music of our singing. I can't do it. I don't think he can either. Raul Julia levitates a foot off the ground while delivering those extended, twinkling, notes, and the idea of Daniel's inevitably pale imitation fills me with gloom. Daniel, are you listening? Stop cobbling shoes for a second, and uh, listen to me. Uh, Danny, Danny! Look, I know all of the theater kids who have assembled here today are very protective of the song, Unusual Way. All right, I understand. It is a gorgeous and hypnotic number and no one breathes more life into it than Shelley Birch. But having rewatched the Rob Marshall film, I am here to announce, listen to me, we need to rein it in when it comes to our criticism of Nicole Kidman. Can we get a little bit of Nicole singing this song in the film?
4: In a very unusual way One time I needed you In a very unusual way You were my friend Maybe it lasted a day Maybe it lasted an hour
0: But somehow it will never Alright, so the quality of Kidman's vocals are certainly mediocre. I'm not here to debate that, but there are worse crimes than being mediocre. This is not a Titanic level disaster. And for my money, she's making up for it to a certain extent in the acting department. Claudia is a tough role. She doesn't properly enter into the story until well past the halfway mark of the film. But damn it, Kidman is making an impression. She is doing what she can with the time allotted, so please, please leave Nicole alone. Do not make me scream Chris Cracker style eh? Simple
4: these affairs that touch the heart. Simple are the ways of love simple as the touch of another. MAPA
0: everything you were led to believe about Carla. The character is originally presented to us as simple, nothing more than a semi-clueless good time sexpot, because that is how Guido thinks of her. Carla is a wind-up toy that Guido pulls down from the shelf. He loves her for her parts, but there is an enormous amount of feeling and thought informing her every action, and I appreciate how Mori invests in the character's interiority. Not every composer would have chosen to do that, Guido may not give a shit about Carla, but I do, we do. Justice for Carla is what I'm saying. I know she's the mistress, but justice for Carla, I say it again. We have two more songs that I wanna feature during our deconstruction, okay? Patty Penny, I wanna hear Be On Your Own right now.
2: Go show her how independent you have grown
0: Louisa tear him apart. I love, I love, I love, I love the fact that Louisa gets to have this moment where she points a goddamn index finger at Guido's face and she says, My I am fucking sick of this and I have run out of all of the fucks. I have no more fucks to give. I have checked the inventory and there are none for you, Guido. Guido, get the fuck out of my face. I love it. So, this brings us to the final song I would like to feature, which is sung by baby Guido, nine-year-old Guido. I have nothing to say about it. There are no intellectual musings from me for you. I hate to say it, but we have to listen to it because it is a very pretty song. It is a pretty song and it is no as Getting Tall. Let us hear Getting Tall now.
7: Scraping knees, tying shoes, starting school.
0: that was Getting Tall as sung by Baby Guido. I realize we are not done. No, no, no. We are not done talking about the score for this week's subject because I want to talk about the three original songs Maury Yeston wrote for the Rob Marshall film. These songs do not make up for the film's extensive cuts, the most egregious of which include The Bells of Saint Sebastian, Nine, Simple, Be On Your Own, and Getting Tall. We'll begin with Cinema Italiano.
4: The black and white I love the play of light the way Cantini puts his image through a prism I feel my body chill gives me a special thrill each time I see that Guido Neorealism I love the darkening of guys with their skinny little ties Dressed in mind, looking out of sight I love to watch them as they cruise with their pointy leather shoes Wearing shades in the middle of the night Whatever Guido does, it makes him smile He is the essence of Italian style I love the glamorous Enlightened world, that only Guido can portray Continuous cinema, Italian
0: I'm not sure why Stephanie had to be transformed from a savvy, cynical film critic into a gushing fangirl, reporter, very strange transformation. But if I had to keep only one of these three original tunes, I suppose it would be Cinema Italiano. Up next, Guarda la Luna. Forgettable. I challenge anyone to sing a note of this from memory. The number was reportedly written to accommodate Sophia Loren's range, but hello, we already had a song for Mama. It's called Nine. You couldn't take Nine down half a step or whatever you need to do. Visually speaking, cinematically speaking, Guarda la Luna takes a page out of Joel Schumacher's The Phantom of the Opera, and I don't know if I have to say this, but that is not a compliment. Finally, we have Take It All, which is a crummy substitute for be on your own.
4: my love. Are you enthralled? You want to see it slip away and watch it fall? Oh, we know it's your show. So take it on.
0: The fact that Take It All received an Academy Award nomination for best song, that mystifies me. Again, can anyone sing a note of this song from memory? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you can. It is now time to hear from our fine, fine sponsor, 5678 Coffee. We love you, 5678 Coffee. Take it away, 5678. Hello, hello. Knock, knock, knock. Hello, hello. Is anyone in there? I see shapes through the window. Richard, is anyone in there? I see shapes through the window. Richard, <laughs> it's me, Went. Your friend, your buddy, your best pal. Went, I'll talk to you through the mail slot. I don't care. Went, I gotta tell ya. <laughs> Went, I gotta tell ya. <laughs> Went, you gotta come with me. You gotta come with me to the Pleasure Beach House, kid. <laughs> Take it from me. It's the Passion Palace of Connecticut. Let's go to the cool confines of the Pleasure Beach House. Let's sip on five, six, seven, eight coffee. They got it iced. Oh, they got it on ice. Let's drink cold coffee and get all hepped up. woo <laughs> hoo I need some caffeine in me so I can have some sex. <laughs> I need some caffeine in me so I can have some sex. I want to have some sex. <laughs> you and me, <laughs> you and me, we can get a room with two beds and we can stare at each other while we fuck the women of the pleasure beach house. And then after that, we can get our energy back for some motherfucking by chomping on some franks and pickles. <laughs> I like mine plain. Ooh, I like to see the beads of sweat on the hot dog, and I like to chomp on the, um, um, um. and I like to chomp on the, um, um, um. and I like to chomp on the. Um, 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 (laughs) And I want to eat a pickle, too. I want to eat a big green-yellow pickle. And I like to chomp on it. Um, um, um. I know you're in there, motherfucker. I know you're in there, motherfucker. Oh, I'm salting my potatoes just thinking about it. The sex, the pickles. The sex, the pickles. The the pickles, the sex. Ah, there's a dog. He's biting my leg. Ah! You and me? Final thoughts regarding Nine. I did not say this earlier, but what better time than right now? I will say the Grand Canal in which Guido films his Casanova movie, that sequence really slows things down in Act 2. That is my least favorite part of the show. The show fully understands how ridiculous it is that Guido is turning his life into a cinematic sex farce, but that does not make the material more engaging, unfortunately. I want to watch Guido direct a movie. I do. I want to see him in his element. But I do not want to watch him film this particular movie. Now, in 1982, as a reminder, the winner of the Tony Award for Best Musical was Nine. And the additional nominees that season were former subject Dream Girls, former subject Pump Boys and Dinettes, and future subject Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Now, does Nine deserve to keep the Tony Award for Best Musical, or should we give it to one of these other shows? Well, I believe I already said this in our Dream Girls episode, and then I believe I said it again in our Pump Boys and Dinettes episode, but I'm going to say it again. Okay, Dream Girls is the show out of this lot, this group that deserved to take home the Tony Award for Best Musical, alright? Set it in stone, set it in stone, you can take that home with you. It is now time to rank nine against all of the other musicals we have talked about here on the podcast. As always, if you want to check out this ranking of ours, go to twitter.com slash musicalmanpod, access our link tree, find our spreadsheet, alright? The second tab of that spreadsheet. Spreadsheet will give you all of the ranking info you could ever want. Where does 9 fall on this list? Well, it's going to be put at number 27. That's right, 27. 9, you're right there, baby. Between Sweet Charity at number 26 and Fun Home at number 28. I have four pieces, count them, one, two, three, four pieces of show related ephemera for you this time around. We are going to begin with a pair of television ads for the original Broadway production of 9. And in this first television commercial, we will Here from Kate Dezina, We have a very intense close-up of Kate Dezina, who is staring directly into the camera when she delivers this copy.
4: I want to tell you about Nine, the spectacular musical at the 46th Street Theater. It's about the kind of love that finds two people and won't let them go. They break apart, have other lovers, go far away from one another, but they never really leave each other. They can't. Nine is an amazing musical. It tells the truth.
0: Okay, very strange. And, of course, we have that second television ad. We can't forget about that. This one features Camille Saviola. Nine,
1: 1982 Tony Award winner Best Musical presents Camille Saviola. <laughs> all right, get up, get up.
3: There are 21 women at the 46th Street Theater, and we all need you. We're all in the hit musical Nine. And where are you? So, I want you to take someone you love, buy them a ticket and give them to us, so we know what to do. We got all kinds of awards saying their the hottest musical on Broadway... I didn't get an
1: award. For tickets, call charging.
0: Between these two ads, you get to the sense everyone was a little desperate to sell tickets. I hope that wasn't the case. But especially in this second one, right? Ah, look at me. We need you, please, for the love of God, C9. Why is it so sweaty? Our third piece of ephemera is the Fergie Club remix of Be Italian, which I believe was only available on the iTunes version of the film's soundtrack. Be Italian.
4: a chance and try to steal
0: boss. I added a faint trap beat and an echo effect. How's about some lunch over here? No more work for today. That's about as much effort as I think went into that. (laughs) And finally, I would like to play a few clips from Kiss Me Petruchio, which originally aired on January 7th, 1981 on PBS. This documents the 1978 Shakespeare in the Park production of The Taming of the Shrew, which featured Raul Julia as Petruchio and Meryl Streep as Catherine. In this series, in series of clips, we will hear Julia and Streep discuss their roles, along with testimonials, from their audience, and that is my favorite part. Hearing this audience talk about the show is so much fun. Let's hear these clips.
1: But for my bunny cake, she must with me, I will be master of what is mine own. She is my goods, my chattels, she is my house, my household stuff, my field, my barn, my horse, my ox, my ass, my anything. I love it. I love when they boo and hiss like that. I love it when they boo and hiss Petruchio, because that means that Petruchio is making them feel something. I've come to wife it wealthily in Padua. If wealthily, then happily in Padua. <laughs> Some people think you're the only way to do Shakespeare is to do it like the British do it, because the British have the answer to Shakespeare. So I would imitate all the British, uh, tush never tell me, I take it much unkindly, the da, you know, and all that, and I would do it like that. But then afterwards, I started realizing that I didn't have to do it just like that. I had to. I could bring myself to it. I could bring my own culture, my own Puerto Rican background, my own Spanish culture, my own rhythms, my own feelings to Shakespeare because Shakespeare is too big to be put into one little way of doing him. Nobody sees who she really is. She's a beautiful human being. Nobody sees really. She's just, that's just an act she's putting on. She's not, that's not what she really is.
6: She's unhappy, mad, angry person who slams her sister around, completely dominates her father and gives him a smack every once in a while. She steps on everybody that comes within two feet of her.
1: She's gonna meet her match. She's going to meet someone that is just like her. That's why I love her. She's just like me. What
6: we're talking about is the story of a, of a relationship, two people that don't, they just don't come together kind of quietly in a little cafe. They run, smash into each other.
1: I love you, Kate. I found you. You're beautiful. You're a nice shrew, too, but you, are, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you how to get off it. That's all, how to get off it. That's it.
4: I think that the, it's such a silly subject. I mean, nowadays, anyway, I mean, who can believe that?
5: But it's not silly. Anyway. Not at all.
6: Well, it is silly. I can't believe how many people were applauding when you did that, um, my horse, my ass, joke.
5: That scene is a, a good representation of what our relationship strives to be.
6: <laughs> I think the booing and hissing is a good sign. Yeah. It's a fabulous love story to me right now and they're just they're just asking for it when they when they grab each other like that. I found it hilarious. I think she
0: sort of enjoys it in a funny kind of yeah. way.
6: It's a very relevant play because it's easy for us now to say, oh, well, most people today in this country or in New York City at this time don't think women are chattel blah. It. So it's a, it's a period piece. It's a period piece. Mm-mm. The battle is wonderful to watch. and I, I mean, that's the most exciting kind of love affair.
0: To determine which show we discuss next, we'll need to take a ride on the musical carousel, otherwise known as the random number generator I named after that classic Rodgers and Hammerstein show, The Zodiac Attacks. Everyone ready? Then away we go. All right, this episode is going to drop on Wednesday, May 25th, just so you know. This is a 2012 nominee for the Tony Award for Best Musical, and it ran for 19, 19 performances. That's it, not 1900, no, 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 19 performances. Do you know what it is? Uh, It's Leap of Faith. Oh, Leap of Faith, Leap of Faith. It's a bad, bad, bad show. (laughs) Oh, no, I'm giving myself away. (laughs) <laughs> spoiler alert, for May 25th. Okay, go to patreon.com slash musicalmanpod to find out how you can support the show financially. As a reminder, 100% of every monthly payout is donated to The Okra Project. You can donate one, three, five, or ten dollars a month. It's up to you. If you donate one dollar a month, you will receive Monday early access to all of these main feed episodes. Everyone else will have to wait until Wednesday, but you, you'll get them on a Monday. You'll also get a verbal shout out each and every week. Great Andy, Elizabeth, Aaron, Jason, Jack, Vitor, Sydney, Katie, Elena, Anton, Ross, HJG, Jared, Eli, David, Dave, Christopher, Neil, Brian, Robin, Liz, Carrie, Maddie, Jonathan, Marquez, Rob, Shauna, Shiante, Roberto, Jordan, Ashley, Chris, JC, Jenna, Aaron, Lily, Haley, Brandon, Brad, Matt, Zach, Marisol, thank you so much for donating at least $1 a month via Patreon. As a $1 tier donor, you will also get 17 bonus episodes. These are all about the 73rd Annual Tony Award a trailer review for the film Cats The Little Mermaid Live a full review of the film Cats Emma at Chicago Shakespeare Theatre Take Me to the World a Sondheim 90th Birthday Celebration Hamilton via Disney Plus Documentary Now Original Cast Album Co-op John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch Jingle Jangle A Christmas Journey Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square Harlow the Alligator Boy a trailer review for West Side Story Vivo The Tony Awards present Broadway's Back Diana and Annie Live You'll all also receive season one, that's 12 episodes of Radio Boy, a special series for which I check in with myself via the non-musical theater songs that make me feel more like myself, and you get all 12 episodes. The first 12 episodes, we're gonna make more of M3, The Movie Musical Man. Ah, that's a show all about movie musicals. In each episode, we talk about a trio of movie musicals that are tied by a common theme, and as I said, we're gonna make more, and those are gonna start dropping in October of this year. If you donate $3 a month via Patreon, you will receive everything I have already described, plus a musical shout-out in the style of a character, actor, or composer of your choosing, all 10 episodes of Wildcats Everywhere, the High School Musical Podcast, and a special one-off all about the one and only season of Julie and the Phantoms. $5 a month will net you everything I've already described, plus you will get to stop the musical carousel and determine what I discuss on the podcast. You get to pick the show as long as it was nominated for the Tony Award for Best Musical. You will also receive seasons 1 and 2, that's 24 episodes of All I Ask of You, an advice show hosted by none other than The Phantom of the Opera. You will also receive access to our Broadway in Chicago review series. The next episode in this series will drop June 1st, and it will be a double episode. It will be all about To Kill a Mockingbird and Ain't Too Proud, The Life and Times of the Temptations. Finally, $5 a month patrons will receive volumes 1, 2, 3, and 4 of Shout About It. These are collections, compendiums, if you will, of musical shout-outs and five, six, seven, eight coffee ads. $10 a month will net you everything I've already described, plus you will receive exclusive announcements regarding future subjects of the main feed. Oh, you'll also receive Season 1, 12 episodes of The Snub Club, a series dedicated to Broadway musicals that were not nominated. They were not nominated for the Tony Award for Best Musical. They were snubbed. And finally, you will receive Turn It Off, all of the episodes from Turn It Off, a series dedicated to off Broadway musicals. The next episode of that series will drop May 18th, and it will be all about Kid Victory and Jacques Brel is alive and well and living in Paris. (laughs) If you're listening to the show via Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, please take a moment to write a five-star review. We have 53 five-star reviews. Between those two platforms, we want 60, and once we get to 65-star reviews, I will finally record and release an episode all about Disney's Zombies franchise. You could be streaming the show That's true. You could do that through Spotify, Stitcher, or Audible, or Podbean, .podbean musicalmanpod.podbean.com. Hey, why not follow us on Twitter at MusicalmanPod, and email me at musicalmanpod at gmail.com. Thanks, as always, to Patty and Benny. I love you, Patty and Benny. Alex Green for our beautiful logo, thank you, and thank you to Zach Little for our fabulous intro and outro music. Ah, Ah, but you know what that sound means? Yes, just when the fun is starting, comes the time for parting. Oh, well. We'll catch up some other time, specifically on the next episode of The Musical Man. So long, farewell, off Venusian, and good night.
6: Plurfingo, the light shower you will receive will sanitize you, so that we can protect the Nirvana Village wildlife. You were supposed to be nude while well, your suit's clean, anyway. This is an identity cube. The first step in doubling is to
1: transfer your total identity to the cube. Once the I transfer, learned about identity cubes when I was six, stupid. Lucy, <laughs> the identity cube is then implanted. Uh-huh. Into Wait a minute! The blah 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 so blah, no crap, blah 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 techno crap blah blah. Every minute of your priceless doppling adventure 47 credits, every unit I have Mm.
6: Good morning, Mr. Fingal You are about to begin doppling Mm. My name is Apollonia Jane Forgot for a sec I'm the Computech who will be monitoring your doppel.
1: Nice baboon Okay, fine with me